Anyway, I want you to read the first two verses with me in Psalm 9 there. It says, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. I want to focus on a couple of thoughts from the first really ten verses of this psalm. Uh, certainly psalms are songs, and this one is a song of praise and thanksgiving. And I want to just draw some thoughts out tonight from this passage. And I just want to preach tonight on the subject of having a thanksgiving lifestyle. You know, we have a thanksgiving holiday, but we really need to have a thanksgiving lifestyle. We don't want to relegate being thankful and grateful people to the third Thursday of the month of November. We ought to live this way all throughout the year, no doubt about it. So I want you to see some characteristics of a a Thanksgiving lifestyle from Psalm 9. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have so much to be thankful for. Thank you for a good time tonight. Thank you for a church where we can gather as a church family and laugh together, have some fun to sing your praises, to talk to you, to be admonished from your word. I'm just really thankful for this service tonight, thankful for this, this holiday season and what it signifies. But I do pray that you would instill in us the idea of just being thankful people. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hans Sale was the first scientist to identify stress as a contributing factor to uh, the nonspecific signs and symptoms of illness. He basically designated and identified stress, and so we can thank him for that, I guess. But basically, he identified and, and singled out two attitudes more than any others that influence our quality of life. This is what he said. He said, on these two emotions that I'm going to suggest in just a minute, he said they depend our peace of mind, our feelings of security or insecurity, of fulfillment or frustration. In short, the extent to which we can make a success of life. Do I have your attention for just a moment? I mean, these two Emotions, these two factors, I mean, they're going to determine whether or not you're going to be a successful person in life. It's got my attention. This is what he said. He said, the most destructive uh, factor, you want to avoid this at all costs, he said was revenge. We can understand that. Somebody just filled with bitterness and anger and resentment and bent on revenge. You don't really think of a happy person when you talk in those uh, terms, do you? But as you can guess it, he said, the one most associated with the presence or absence of stress is the attitude of thankfulness. That that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, when you think of somebody that's a thankful person, you immediately think of somebody who's a happy person. I mean, somebody who's a thankful person is a happy person. And you can imagine that somebody like that has kind of de-elevated the stress in their life. When we come to Psalm chapter 9, Psalm 9 is often associated with David's victory over Goliath. We don't know that for certain, but most Bible scholars have reason to believe that Psalm 9 was written as a result of David defeating Goliath and the great victory there in the valley. But whatever its motive is, the psalm truly is emphasizing that God deserves to be praised. If I define that idea of, of praise, it's to express admiration of, it's to express one's respect and gratitude towards. We like to say it around here, we praise God, and when we do that, we're thanking God for what He's done. That's what that song was just about. It's praise. Thank God for all He's done in my life. 
You say, what are you thankful for? I'm thankful for everything, you know? I mean, that wouldn't be a terrible answer. I mean, we want to be a little more specific than that, but God's done a lot in our life, and that's what praise is. The problem is that the abundance of prosperity in our lives, and in our nation in particular, uh, often causes a sense of entitlement. I think if we went around this room, we started talking about the problems in our society, I think entitlement would come up somewhere along the way. We are very entitled people. We have enjoyed for a sustained period of time in our nation's history, longer than anybody in this room has been alive, we have, we have sustained prosperity in this country. And as a result, we have gotten very entitled about it. And, and the idea here is that when you have this abundance of prosperity that causes a sense of entitlement, then you start to expect these things. And when you get to that level, friend, it deadens your gratitude. Ralph Waldo Emerson observed that if the constellations appeared only once in a thousand years, could you imagine what an exciting event it would be? A couple of years ago, there was, I can't even remember what it was entirely now, but there was some kind of uh, solar thing going on. Remember they were giving you those glasses that blacked out and everybody, I remember the school kids were all out in the parking lot and we were all doing all of this stuff with that uh, once in a lifetime experience and event. Could you imagine if the constellations of the stars of the heavens only showed up once every a thousand years? Could you imagine how excited it would be when those things shine? But they're in the sky every night and as a result we hardly ever even notice them. And the idea is that we have so much prosperity and so much blessing and so much abundance that it is easy to fall into the trap of hardly even not noticing. So I'm saying to you tonight, we need the grace of God to change our ungrateful nature because we, by nature, are not grateful people. That's why we have to teach our kids to be grateful. That's why when they're itty-bitty and you're holding them in their arm and somebody does something nice for them, says something nice to them, every parent that's worth their salt is trying to train their kid in the right way, they'll say, well, now what do you say? And you have to do that because your kid doesn't know what to say. They won't naturally say thanks. They'll say, give me. They'll say, mine. I want it, you know. And we have to teach them to be grateful. And we need to be taught by the Holy Spirit of God working grace in our life to be grateful people. We want to develop a lifestyle of thankfulness. You see, when I say lifestyle, I mean the habits, the attitudes, the tastes, the standards, the uh, so forth that, that constitute the mode of living in an individual or group. Hey, listen, I really want that to be a prevailing attitude in the family of Oakwood Baptist Church. We ought to be a grateful people. Amen. This ought not be a place where everybody's just grumbling and complaining all the time. No, no, no. That's not a spirit that exalts and honors and glorifies the Lord Jesus. What we need to do is be grateful people, grateful for what He's done, grateful for what we have, grateful for how He's working, grateful for all of His blessings. I want the lifestyle, if you will, of Oakwood to be a, a, a lifestyle of thankfulness. I think us as people, we just need to be that way. I mean, we can talk about lifestyle habits. I mean, you want to have a healthy lifestyle? I mean, we're not, some of you are thinking, not on Thursday, I don't. Now, I understand, but we want to have a healthy lifestyle? I mean, people talk about alternate lifestyles. Why not have a thankful lifestyle? See, when gratitude becomes the way we think, both subconsciously and consciously, it will permeate into our lifestyle. So I'm going to ask you tonight, what does that look like then? I want you to see from our text a little bit three evidences of a lifestyle of thankfulness. If, if you really are living a life of thankfulness, this is going to show up in you. Number one, I want you to see this. A lifestyle of thankfulness will witness. 
A lifestyle of thankfulness will live. No, he says in verse 1, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. David basically calls everyone who hears and reads this psalm to praise God, and he wants them to praise God with him. Listen, I'm going to do this. You join me. I want you to celebrate and understand all the great things that God has done for us. You understand, David, when he's writing here, his mind is engaged and his heart is involved. What that means is, is understand tonight that thanksgiving is, is twofold. It's intellectual, meaning you have to think about it. What, what all has God done for us? What all has he given to us? What, what all has he been to us? Let, let's think intellectually. But it's not just intellectual, it's also emotional. Listen, again, I, I say this from time to time around here. I know this is a conservative Baptist church, and we want to control our emotions. I mean, we don't, uh, you know, get whooping and hollering and carrying on in here too much. I mean, if somebody stood up, got so happy that the Lord blessed them, stood up on a pew, and went, Whoa! I mean, it'd scare everybody to death. But I'm telling you, if every once in a while you don't hear a song just like you heard, or some of the songs the choir sang on Sunday, and, and a tear well up in your eye, and you, you don't drive down the road sometimes and just think, man, I, I can't believe how blessed I am. I, I, man, if you're not intellectually and emotionally, you're not living a lifestyle of, of gratitude and thanksgiving. See, see, here's what I've learned. Some people say all the right words about God, but their heart is empty, and they don't really mean it. You know, it's easy to have a testimony time and just say, well, I want to thank God for my salvation and I want to thank God for my family and I want to thank God I live in America. And we can say all of these things and all of those things would be true to say, but if our heart is not in it, we're not living a lifestyle of thankfulness. See, I've learned that some are very passionate. On the flip side, some are very passionate and excited and emotional, but their head is empty. And you don't want that either. And so I want you to Stop for just a moment uh, uh, this season and think about the reasons that you praise something or someone. I mean, man, if it's a little baby, and how exciting that is. And I'm thankful that we've had some births here in our church and little babies. And man, I'll tell you, when a baby comes to church for the first time, boy, everybody's excited. I mean, they want to see that baby. They want to hold the baby. They want to uh, pinch his cheeks, look at its little toes, and they just kind of gush and carry on about uh, the newborn baby. I mean, they're, they're uh, excited about something. Uh, think, think about all the, again, the reasons that you praise something or someone. We, we post pictures of our food. You ever stopped and thought for a moment how weird that is? The other day I was in a restaurant with some friends and we were eating some very good food. They brought it, they sat it down, and the first thing everybody does is take out that camera. First thing I want to do is just grab it with my hands, you know, but we post pictures of it. And I'm not saying it's necessarily bad. It's a natural response. It's a natural response. I want to capture this memory. I want to recommend this to other people. That, that, that's a natural response, right? I mean, we... we comment about the fragrance of a flower or man if we're talking football when our team scores you know you know what we a lot of times do did you see that pass i mean did you see that did you see what just happened listen it's natural to start witnessing and talking about and displaying the things that you're grateful for we instinctively praise the things that we enjoy C.S. Lewis said this i think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. The delight is incomplete until it's expressed. See, David is saying here in this text, I am not and I cannot 
keep this thankfulness just between me and God. No, no, no. I've got to tell everybody I know what God has done for me. I'm going to make this statement. I'll move on because I know this isn't missions conference, but this is good here for us. Gratitude is really where evangelism finds its beginning. I read a story. I thought it was a sweet story. Uh, there was a man who was a Christian singer. And he was diagnosed with cancer of the tongue. He was facing a very, very serious surgery. It would prevent him, the removal of a portion of his tongue, he would never be able to sing again. And so just before the surgery that would remove this cancer, and along with it his ability to sing, the singer questioned the doctor one last time, and he said, Sir, are you sure that I'm never going to sing again after this surgery? And the doctor said, Absolutely. It's what has to be done if you want to live. And he said, Yes, I'm sorry, but you'll never sing again. This is what he said. He said, I've had many good times singing praises to God, and now you're telling me I could never sing again. He said, Well, then I have a song that will be my last, and it's going to be one of gratitude and praise to God. And he sat up in his hospital bed right there in the operating room and sang one last song to the top of his lungs about how good God is. This is what he sang. He sang, I'll praise my maker while I have breath. And when my voice is lost in death, praise shall employ my nobler power. My days of praise shall ne'er be past while life and thought and being last or immortality endures. I'll tell you, that was a guy that lived a lifestyle of thankfulness because it forced him, it moved him to tell others how good God's been. I'm telling you tonight, it's criminal not to tell others what God has done for us. Now listen, we could go out and about in our public setting. We could be with our families. And by the way, some of us are going to have families that are not, family members that are not believers. Hey, listen, nobody in America minds if you say, well, I want to tell you, I'm real thankful. I'll tell you, I'm thankful I've got a wonderful family. I'm thankful I've got good health. I'm thankful I've got a fine home. I'm thankful that I've got a good job. I'm thankful. Nobody minds you talking like that. But friend, what we need to be careful that we're doing is saying, I'll tell you right now, I've got a lot to be thankful for. God has given me good health. God has given me a wonderful family. God has given me a good job. God has given me good friends. God has given me a nice home. God has given me all these things. Listen, that's the natural outgrowth of a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Listen, you guys understand how, how you can witness at school, you can witness at work by talking just like that. Oh man, I'm looking forward to Thursday. What a day of thanksgiving. I'll tell you what, God's been so good. You know how much food we're going to have? Boy, God's given me a job. God's given me a family. It's going to be awesome. Witnessing, all right? Number two, I want you to see this. A lifestyle of thankfulness will worship. Now again, I just kind of stole my own thunder, but at Thanksgiving it's a popular tradition to go around the table. When you do, you go around the table and you name something you're grateful for. I'd imagine that's a tradition here for many families in this room. You go around, hey, tell me something that's thankful. I've done that before. Tell us. Now you can't use what somebody else has said. You've got to come up with something on your own. Now let's go around here and we're going to talk about what we're thankful for. In fact, uh, Dwayne Grider wrote this, and I, this was just his list. I don't know... Uh, why he came up with everything on this list, but this is what he said. I'm thankful we only elect presidents once every four years. I I'm thankful that teenagers will grow up and that one day they will have children that will become teenagers of their own. I'm thankful that I'm not a turkey this week. I'm I'd like to add I'm thankful I'm not, not a real turkey uh, anytime. 
I'm thankful for, as we said, I'm thankful that the space available for messages on t-shirts and bumper stickers is limited. I'm thankful that hugs and kisses do not add weight or cause cancer. I'm thankful that TVs, radios uh, can be turned off. I'm thankful that God's love never fails. And I'm thankful that we can come together this evening in unity. But I want you to just be known tonight as we're talking about worship. The thought here is far too often the blessings themselves are emphasized and not the God who gives the blessings. And David here in verse 2 turns the attention to the source of the blessing, not the blessing itself. Look what he says in verse 2. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. His rejoicing was located in that. Robert J. Morgan, in a sermon he prepared, said this, One recent evening when the moon was full, I studied it from my back porch. It seemed as clear and as close as the globe on a lamppost. Finding binoculars, I steadied them against the railing and magnified the moon. In other words, I focused on it, made it larger in my eyes, and studied it until I was overwhelmed with its ivory plains and dimly outlined mountains with its splotched craters and jagged edges. I wonder how many times, again, we go throughout life and we focus on our blessings, and that's fine, I'm thankful for the blessings, but we don't focus on the blesser. And see, a lifestyle of thanksgiving does just that. It focuses on Him. It makes Him larger in our eyes. It studies Him until we are overwhelmed with His brightness and His love and His grace and His care and His power. And I'm just telling you, a lifestyle of thanksgiving will cause us to to not just thank Him for what He does, but to love Him for who He is. I want you to see lastly tonight, a lifestyle of thankfulness will wait He goes on to say in verse 8, And he shall judge the world in righteousness, and he shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know the name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. He he begins to talk about uh, waiting on the Lord. And and the truth is, is sometimes we might struggle because we can't see some of the blessings and workings of God. And that, that makes us a little anxious. But again, I want you to understand that when that happens, what it's revealing in our life is really a spirit of ungratefulness. And so again, David in these verses urges us, just be grateful for what you have instead of focusing on what you don't have and wait on the Lord to work. I don't know if you've ever heard how the Chinese bamboo tree grows. The way it works, I'm told, is that a seed is planted You water it and you fertilize it, but nothing at all happens in the first year. You come back during the second year. You water the seed and you fertilize the seed, and and literally nothing happens. The third year, fourth year, fifth year, something happens. In that fifth year of watering and fertilizing, the same that you did in the first four years, The Chinese bamboo tree grows roughly 90 feet in six weeks. Let me ask you a theoretical question here tonight. Does the tree grow 90 feet in six weeks, or does it grow 90 feet in five years? The answer is five years. You know, sometimes the Lord is working in ways you can't see. And then when you see it, it happens suddenly, but... God had been working the whole time. 
And, and we may not always notice it, but without watering and fertilizing the seed each year, you would never see that sudden growth. I'm afraid there's far too many people that just kind of give up on the Lord. They quit doing the things that they need to do. They, they become embittered and ungrateful, and they, they turn their back on what could be a tremendous blessing in their life. Again, I'm just challenging you tonight. You may not always be able to see the blessings of God, but it is in those times you really need to wait and trust in Him. Because somebody who can wait and trust in Him is living a lifestyle of thankfulness. So let me ask you some questions tonight. Question number one is this. Are you living a lifestyle of thankfulness? I mean, is that how people would characterize you? And that's a thankful person. They're a grateful person. Or do you just have a bad habit of just being a complainer? That's not a good habit. You always see the negative side of everything. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, well, I, I want to be a thankful person. Well, that's good. That's how our lives can change, just starting with a desire. Here's a good question to analyze whether you're a grateful person or not. How often do you witness to other people? How, how, how often do you talk about the goodness of the Lord in your life? That video tonight was filled with testimonies of salvation. Listen, if you are grateful that you're saved, you're going to talk about that to somebody. Number three, what's your worship like? Is it half-hearted? Is it emotionally only? Is your focus on the blessings or is your focus on the blesser? My final question is this. How good are you at waiting on the Lord? How good are you at it? I know most of us struggle in that department. When we want to see the Lord work, we want to see Him work now. Sometimes be of good courage. Wait on the Lord. He'll sustain you. He'll work. And a person who has a lifestyle of thankfulness said, well, I can't see it, but I know He's up to something. I'm going to be ready when it happens. I'm just going to keep watering and fertilizing. Just keep doing what I need to do. And then when it happens, boy, I'm going to rejoice.